Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, the sports gambling show that covers everything in the world of sports betting from A through Z. We'll cover the four major sports as well as anything and everything in between worth some action and will increase the size of your bankroll. And here we go. Well, welcome to the Side Action, episode 59. This is Jim Weglars, a.k.a. Weggs. You can follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. And this is Steve Roberts, a.k.a. Action. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Follow the podcast at Side Action Pod on Twitter. Action. Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year to you. I can't believe it's 2020. It seems a little bit surreal, but mm-hmm. uh, same old sports and nothing really changed here in Detroit. I don't know. How is it in Chicago? It's pretty, uh, I mean, the weather's great. The weather's been warm and nice. Uh, we obviously know the Bears are out, um, so and the Bulls stink, so you got to look at elsewhere to get your sports action. But, um, no, it's been, it was a nice holiday. Uh, really wasn't cold at all. A little bit of snow. I guess that was New Year's Eve, just a little dusting. Other than that, been pretty favorable. It was a nice weekend, just kind of chill for me. Nothing too crazy. I did have the big game night party, and unfortunately... If you took Wegs, you'd have lost heavily. We came in second this year. Sorry, action. Ah. If uh, I was the minus 750 favorite, so the underdogs covered, and they kind of won outright um, in the, the big game night. I will have you know that we did have the worst team ever in the, recorded in the history of game night, <laughs> where they scored last in all six categories in all six games and recorded a, a grand total of six, which is, yeah, like I said, the lowest score possible in game night so wow that's good job, hard team, to do. good job team spades that's hard to do <laughs> very hard to do i can tell you i know it's very hard to do but um good times i, I may or may not have stayed out till 4 a.m that night uh after the we did a little post-game karaoke and then kind of got talked into going to a karaoke bar and ended up coming home about 4 a.m so it was, it was a hell of a night on saturday yeah. um so that was kind of my new year's eve even though it was early yeah that sounds nice. I'm sorry I missed it. That's right. You were out on the coast, uh, this little NBA action. You did a lot of stuff out there. Yeah, I made a trip out to L.A., uh, met my girlfriend's family. That was a great time. We went and saw the Clippers play versus the Jazz at the Staples Center. So first nice. trip to the Mecca in L.A., the West Mecca, I guess you could say. <laughs> and we had a great time. The weather was beautiful, had a plenty of seafood. So it was a good time. Nice. Ready to be back into the normal routine, though. Yeah, you've been traveling like a champ. Hopefully you're racking up some miles there, buddy. Yeah, sure am. <laughs> Let's go over the episode. Uh, we always promise it to be a short one and we go long, but um, we'll touch on our college picks uh, for the bowl games, which weren't that great, and kind of preview the title game and a little bit, you know, one more bowl game for next week. Uh, we'll jump in the college hoops, but some of our picks we made, the action power ratings, and some games we like coming up in the upcoming week. Uh, lastly, we'll go over the NFL. Obviously, we're in now the playoffs for the NFL, our favorite time of year, elimination mode. Uh, we'll go over how we did, how we finished up the season in week 17, and then talk about the playoff WEGS index and then the, the spots in wildcard weekend. So still a healthy episode, isn't it, Action? Yeah, I'd say we'll probably end up about on pace. So let's hop to it. <laughs> Always. All right, to go over college football, uh, well, sorry, Action, I led you into some terrible picks here. We did not do well. Uh, overall, it looks like we went 3-6 and six so far in our recommended picks mm-hmm. <laughs> for the bowl season. 
We do have Cincinnati playing well right now at 24 to nothing. But um, some of the ones that really kind of dudded out were, I mean, obviously Ohio State, I was a little disappointed in that game. That, I mean, it came down to the wire there. They could have won. They obviously dropped it to Clemson in kind of an epic game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a 29-23 final score uh, and had a chance to win the game, but they dudded out. And then, um, But you definitely hit on the LSU over in the Oklahoma uh, LSU game. Yeah, Joe Burrow almost hit that single-handedly in the first half with his mm-hmm. incredible performance, seven halftime touchdown passes, if I recall correctly. and uh, That's right, 49. Went way over the total. So that one was a rocking chair. Exactly. Some of the other uh, lowlights, uh, Florida couldn't uh, keep Virginia out of the end zone, even though they were covering late. And they ended up getting, Virginia got the backdoor cover mm-hmm. in that one, um, 14 and a half. The Illinois got crushed against Cal. They were six-and-a-half-point dogs, but still got beat handily in that game. Uh, Michigan looked good in the first half against Alabama, but um, not quite. Alabama shut them out in the second half and one going away, so that plus seven wasn't big enough. And then um, some of the highlights, though. Let's go to the highlights. We got <laughs> Arizona State. Finally, we got a cover. They uh, won by more than four points over Florida State. That game was a little close early. I was a little sweating that one, too. Mm-hmm. Um but they did come out. The Fighting Herms made it happen. And then finally, Oregon. Jesus, finally got a win, buddy. That was my one win going into tonight. Oregon edged out Wisconsin, another good game in the Rose Bowl. So I hit the money line plus 125 and a 28-27 win. Yeah, in that game. thankful for Wisconsin's four turnovers in that one. I think uh, Wisconsin mm-hmm. dominated the rest of the box score. They did. They did. So uh, we'll go over the title in a second. The only other game we had mentioned a little bit last week was, you know, my favorite squad, the Raging Cajuns. They are still on the docket. Um, obviously, there's another couple bowl games going forward. Like we said, Cincinnati's playing as we speak, and the Vols are playing Indiana later tonight. We talked about that last week. But the other games aren't that big named, I don't think, mm-hmm. until really even this one isn't a big name. Louisiana Lafayette's playing Miami of Ohio on Monday night. And uh, I spoke that I got that game, I guess it was at minus 14. I'm laying 14 points in that game. I think it's gone up, if I'm not mistaken, on Online. But let me double check here. It looks like 14 still across the board and not much movement really throughout the last couple of weeks. So appears to be a good number, but I definitely agree. I think that Lafayette is the right side there. Miami is really kind of an undeserving MAC champion and really a conference mm-hmm. that was down all season long. So you got to expect Louisiana Lafayette is going to have some success on the ground in this game. Absolutely. So that really leaves just the title game, which, you know, it's kind of weird that it's so far removed. It's going to be the, what, the 13th? Is that the right date? Sounds right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's going to be Monday the 13th. Uh, so they get almost, you know, full two weeks off between games, which is pretty helpful to Clemson. I'm sure they got a little beat up in that game against Ohio State. So the opening line was quite a bit lower, but right now you're looking at five and a half. LSU is favored by five and a half right now, and the total at like 69 and a half. Um, so, you know, it seems like there's a little bit of recency bias on the LSU destruction of Oklahoma. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there were some shops that opened up as low as three and a half or four in this game, and uh, mm-hmm. 81% mm-hmm. of the tickets right now taking the LSU Tigers against the Clemson Tigers, and now you're looking at a number that's kind of in a dead zone between five and five and a half across the board. And I do expect that it'll probably stick around there or even potentially rise up closer to that touchdown mark. 
I don't imagine mm-hmm. you'll see too much buyback until it gets to seven. Right. So maybe you can explain to the viewers, why, our viewers, listeners, you know, why the difference between, say, five and six, or why is that a key number? Well, I mean, even more important in the NFL, just because of the PAT uh, being moved back. Right. But you do have college kickers, too. And when you're talking about extra points, uh, there's a chance they could get missed occasionally. And now that's why you're looking at six as more of a key number than five or five and a half, per se, which is very unlikely as a final outcome in a football game. Yeah, and obviously people going for two sometimes, too. So, yeah, so it's right now five and a half. It drifts up to six. You know, might see me jumping in on Clemson, but we'll still, we have another week to see where that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but should be, hopefully it'll be a great game. I knew that that Clemson, Ohio State would be a great game, and it pretty much delivered. Um, so hopefully it'll be a much better matchup than the destruction of Oklahoma, who probably wasn't deserving to be there anyway, right? Yeah, clearly. I'm not sure that any of the other teams in the nation really showed that they belonged either, though. Utah went out and played True. poorly, and Oregon oh, yeah. was kind of humdrum the other night as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Okay, we'll come back to college football next week when we'll talk about the title game, maybe a little more depth, a little more analysis. transition to NCAA hoops now we did have a couple of picks last week or just you know discussion points one was Indiana versus Arkansas I know I I was on Arkansas a little bit in the side they ended up winning the game you were all over the under at 137 and uh, that delivered didn't it yeah kind of a quick pace in the first half I believe the first half total went over but they really clamped down in the second half both sides and it kept it well under that closing number. I think it actually closed at like 140. So either way, you had a winner there with the under. Absolutely. And then we talked about DePaul a little bit. Um, you know, Seton Hall, they were game. They went to DePaul and they they made it happen. They won easily in that game, actually. So DePaul isn't ready for prime time as we kind of, I guess, alluded to. But judging by their Ken Palm number, mm-hmm. um, so maybe they'll have to improve. The Big East has actually improved this year. It seems like there's a lot of good teams there. Yeah, definitely. You've got Marquette playing well, Butler we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Villanova is always going to be in the hunt. That's right. And then a game we definitely jumped all over was Yale going to North Carolina. North Carolina is just down right now. Definitely missing uh, Anthony in the backcourt. And Yale was getting eight in this game, and they only lost by three, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. In fact, uh, I was kind of following it throughout my travels on Monday. North Carolina had a pretty healthy lead throughout, but I understand there was some Mm. late-game heroics, mainly shooting and poor free-throw shooting by the Tar Heels that allowed Yale to get in the back door there. Gotcha. All right, that's awesome. And, you know, newsflash, North Carolina's dropped out of the top 40 in Ken Palm now, wow. so they're not even being tracked on my metrics. So they've definitely got a long way to work uh, towards March. Well, let's go over the action power ratings. Action, tell me who's at the top this week. Well, uh, similar to Ken Palm's ratings, we've got Duke mm-hmm. at number one, and they're playing very good basketball right now, just rebounding very efficiently. They've got a huge adjustment in the rebounding metrics which carries them to a clear number one at this point. Um, behind them is the Kansas Jayhawks, and uh, uh, following them are a couple of Big Ten teams. Michigan State and Ohio State are neck and neck for three and four. Gonzaga is five, Louisville six, Maryland seven, and the bottom three are Baylor, Butler, and Auburn to round out the top ten. 
you know, sure. So looking, you know, comparing that to Ken Palm right now, it looks like Auburn is the one kind of sneaking in that's maybe 14th in Ken Palm. So they must be a pretty good rebounding team. Is that what I'm taking away from that? Yeah, Auburn uh, has a pretty good rebounding numbers, but their effective field goal percentage is pretty good too, almost mm-hmm. near the top of these teams here. Um, so they can really score the ball, and they play defense as well on the other side. Awesome. Well, I'll be transitioning to full college basketball mode next week, you know, as college basketball kind of or college football gives away. And looking forward to that. Was able to just catch a little bit here and there. But now that we're entering conference play, you know, it's pretty much two games a week for most of these teams against, you know, basically their conference and light competition. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, this Saturday brings the first real conference slate where you've got close to 100 games and all of the major conferences are really kicking off in their full schedule. So it's going to be awesome. a great time. Those are my favorite weekends of the winter. Absolutely. Well, let's roll into the games we like uh, out of this coming week. Um, the first one is Friday night, which will be tomorrow. We'll launch this, but it'll be around that time. Uh, Wisconsin is going to Ohio State. Ohio State's a 10-point favorite at home. Um one thing I noticed that, you know, Wisconsin's shooting up the ranks in Ken Palm, and I don't know how far you're going down in your rankings, but, you know, they're doing pretty well. They're up to 29th. You, know, you didn't see that last year. Uh, they kind of had a down year last year. So it looks like they are getting right back to where their defensive ways. They're top 25 in defense when I pulled the metric. So that's why I thought this game might be of interest. Yeah. Uh, I watched a little bit of Wisconsin play the other night against Ryder. And uh, they couldn't mm-hmm. score for the first like six minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. It was they were down five to two Typical. early on, and they really didn't start making baskets until about the uh, ten minute mark in the first half. And I think that they're going to be mm-hmm. in for a little bit of trouble this Friday night at Ohio State because the Buckeyes play some serious defense, fourth ranked, and mm-hmm. uh, I believe there's going to be quite a bit of an athleticism mismatch in this game too. And I think that Ohio State is going to cover this ten point margin pretty easily. So I'm going to be on the Buckeyes okay. tomorrow night. That a boy. Nice work. Um, a game that I like, there's a bunch of games on Saturday, but one that I like, you know, we, we kind of identified them last week. West Virginia is going to Kansas this time. Uh, they're playing on Saturday the 4th. And, you know, West Virginia was able to go to Ohio State and, and win. That was a huge game. Um, this team is, you know, they had a real down year last year as well. Uh, I'm not sure what was going on in that locker room, but Hugs has got his team back. And it looks like West Virginia is eighth in defense, and that's what they used to have, you know, mm-hmm. their hallmark. I really like that team. I don't know what the number is going to be, but I think that that should be – they definitely should be getting some points on the road um, at Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah, I think uh, my numbers have it uh, – Kansas about five and a half on a neutral. So you give mm-hmm. them probably three and a half, four, or even at Fog Allen Fieldhouse, you're looking at a eight or nine-point spread here for West Virginia – and it certainly seems like a lot of points for a team that plays defense like they do. They're second ranked mm-hmm. in defensive field goal percentage. So definitely key against this Kansas team, although Kansas has a pretty stellar offense on the other side. So it's certainly oh, going to yeah. be an interesting uh, matchup. No doubt, no doubt. Looks like you like one of these games. Indiana's playing at Maryland. You know, Indiana kind of got let down last week against the Razorbacks at home. Uh, but you're targeting the first half under. The, it's not that big of a number. It's 65. 
Uh, but you're still thinking the under in that game. Yeah, uh, just the projection at this point. It looks like the total is going to be about 140 based on Ken Palm. Okay. And so shave a little bit off that and half of that, looking at 65 in the first half. And I think that uh, I've been targeting this Indiana team playing under a lot more as we get into the difficult part of their schedule. Their pace mm-hmm. is fairly moderate in the 160s, as is Maryland. But I think the key to this one is both teams' poor three-point shooting. Both of them are mm. um, in the 240s, shooting about 31% from outside the arc. And I think, especially in college basketball, when you look at teams that can't shoot the three, they tend to stay under more often than not, When you, especially when you have these average totals. Gotcha. Okay. I'll have to check that one out. There's also some good games in Sunday that I like in the Big Ten. Uh, Purdue is playing in Illinois. Uh, we've talked about Illinois in the past. They have really good guard play. They're just out of the top 40 in Ken Palm. They're 43. And Purdue, as good as they played, you've talked about that they're not great on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I think Harms, you said, was a little banged up. So I'm going to be looking at this line, and hopefully Illinois is going to be either a short favorite or maybe even get some points at home. I'm not sure. Yeah, I would expect that it'll at least be a pick And you might look at mm-hmm. Illinois catching a point or so. At yep. home, and if that's the case, I agree with you. I think that is a really good spot for the Illini. Um, they are on the road tonight at Michigan State, which is going to be very interesting mm-hmm. to see how they fare. But certainly getting back home, and I think we've talked about a few weeks ago, the home teams in Big Ten play have just dominated so far. So I think you have some value there with them. Yeah, agreed. Uh, speaking of Michigan State, another big game on Sunday is Michigan is going to Michigan State, uh, and they're going to play in East Lansing, the Breslin Center. Uh, that's on Sunday as well, the fifth. And you know these teams are both really high up there in Ken Palm. I got them at what fifth and thirteenth overall. But I, I'm just highlighting the game. I still think Michigan State's probably the better team here. I really want to see if Michigan is a pretender playing against that you know quality Michigan State uh, squad. I'm not sure if you have any thoughts on that game. Yeah. Very intrigued to watch it. I think the one thing that would give me pause is just the health of Cassius Winston. I know mm-hmm. uh, the talk up here in Michigan is him resting this ankle that has been bothering him. He actually sat out the game last Sunday. So he is expected to go tonight against Illinois, and I fully expect him to be out there on Sunday as well. But uh just want to see how he plays and certainly expect him to be a little bit rusty coming off that injury. Gotcha. That's good information. The last game I like uh, is actually all the way to Tuesday. I'm not sure when we're going to tape next week. So um, uh, Baylor is going to Texas Tech on Tuesday night, the 7th. And, you know, this is a really marquee matchup in the Big 12. Obviously, outside of Kansas, Baylor is is a really good team. We know what Texas Tech is capable of with their run last year. And they're still in the top 25, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe they're not, but they – you know, they're still regarded very highly, even though they had that losing streak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have Baylor as a better squad. I know going to Lubbock is always tough, uh, but I'd, I'd be curious to see how many points Baylor would be getting on the road here. Yeah, that's a great point. I actually have my numbers showing Baylor as four points better on a neutral. So mm-hmm. um, maybe close to a pick You might be right with uh, Baylor as a short underdog. But um, Mm -hmm. definitely an intriguing matchup here. Texas Tech has certainly underperformed this season outside of that big win at Madison Square Garden against Louisville. So uh, certainly a tough one to start off Big 12 play for them. Exactly. It's just 
kind of a murderer's row, especially at the top end of the Big 12. So, And with West Virginia back in the mix, I mean, it's going to be a, a great conference. There's some really good conference play out there this year. I, I think that the tournament's going to be so wide open. It'll be, it'll be really fun. Absolutely. Any other games or interest this week? I know you've been traveling a lot, but... Um, no, I haven't. Thought it open it up. I haven't uh, gotten as far ahead in the schedule as you have, so I'll have to keep my eye out as they pop up here over the next few days. Nice. Alrighty, well, let's jump into the last segment. We got the NFL. Uh, let's go over week 17, which isn't much of a recap. Uh, <laughs> we finished the circuit contest at uh, three and two in the last week, which is okay. Uh, not great overall, 37, 45, and 3 for 45%. We were 1,329th overall. The winner went a, a hearty 69.5%, 57, 25, and 3 action. That's what we have wow. to do next year. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the fourth quarter, we went 13, 11, and 1 after that hot start, 54%, good for 596th. The winner went 24 and 1, 204 and 1. It's for 83.3%. So, just to kind of keep in mind uh, what we'd have to do next year to actually get some cash in that contest. Yeah, those are definitely hot numbers. Uh, almost 70% on a season is a ridiculous pace. Exactly. And even with the shorter field and the circuit contest, almost 18 or 1900 entries, I think, still shows how difficult it is to win a contest like this. I was reading. No question. I was reading that uh, Circa expects to expand the payouts a little bit next year. I think mm-hmm. they only paid out through the top ten places this season, and with the right. higher entry numbers, I think that they'll be looking to expand the payouts. Yeah, I mean the top ten out of like eighteen hundred is really small, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, and you figure they only really paid out fourteen people on the year. That's rough, but I mean, hey, I mean it kept us in and engaged, especially the quarterly contest. Um, <laughs> I think we learned some things. I mean, week 17 was nuts. I mean, it was a tough week to predict things. We went three and two, which wasn't bad. Uh, but you really, I kind of figured out you basically have to go three, one and one every week to, <laughs> to, to get to those numbers. Right. Um, so we just need, well, I mean, we knew that, but it's just, you have to know what to aspire to, you know? Um, well, going into the, the playoffs, I've kind of noted some injuries of at least players that are coming back or potentially could come back. Uh, that will impact this week's wild card games. First, we got J.J. Watt. I guess he's going to come back for Houston, which, you know, he's a huge player for them. I'm not sure how effective he'll be being off since uh, whatever, week five or something, mm-hmm. six or something. Um, but that'll impact something. But you also listed Will Fuller as set to return at wide receiver. Yeah, although I was listening to some conflicting reports. It sounded like he was a full go in practice on Tuesday. And um, mm-hmm. then there were some other reports that came up y- this morning that was a little bit less uh, insightful. So it is a groin mm-hmm. injury, so it's hard to say. And given his injury history, I mean, he could be out there for one play and not play the rest of the game. Yeah. So right. both of these guys are very impactful for the Houston Texans handicap, though, without a doubt. No question. It's kind of like T.Y. Hilton. For the Colts, right? I mean, he's he's the stretcher. He gets that, makes it a lot easier for everybody else, opens the space up for Hopkins in that running game too. So Fuller, you know, is essential. And that defense hasn't been the same for Houston without J.J. So I don't know. I, I, we'll talk about him in a minute, but, you know, I, I do like the Bills in that game. But um, 
Let's go to the next one is Minnesota. You know, Dalvin Cook got hurt, what was that, week 16, mm -hmm. and he sat out week 17. They didn't need him, obviously, but because um, they had locked up their spot. But he's completely essential. I mean, they got crushed by uh, Green Bay, and, you know, without him in the lineup. I guess he got hurt week 15, now that I think about it. And then um, they're just not as effective running the football with him off the field. Uh, I don't know. What have you heard about him? Yeah, I think the expectation around the industry is that Dalvin Cook is going to be out there this weekend. I'm reading here. He was a full participant in practice this morning. So uh, mm -hmm. do expect him to be back out there. And I expect there's going to be some fireworks in this game. They're going to be playing in the Dome in New Orleans, and mm -hmm. both offenses have been prolific this season. So uh, looking forward to that one as well as the other three. Nice. Uh, a couple injury updates for the Eagles. Zach Ertz was out, but I heard he's going to play this week, or at least wow. he should. Um, we'll see. Uh, and then Miles Sanders, the running back, you think that he's questionable and probably won't play, um, which certainly would affect it. I really like the way he played down the stretch. Yeah, Miles Sanders has been extremely dynamic for them, especially catching balls out of the backfield, which is really one of the weakest areas of that Seattle defense. So. Without Miles Sanders, it certainly takes the Philadelphia handicap down a peg or two. Right. And then um, Jadavion Clowney, he was the one who missed several games for Seattle, and he's a huge difference maker. You know, it, he, basically that defense looked terrible mm -hmm. when he was out, wasn't in there without that pass rush. So he will probably play. I don't know if he's going to really be 100%, but, you know, that's an essential part of that handicap as well. Yeah, and I was reading that. The safety, Quandre Diggs, will be back this week. I know he sat out the Week 17 game against San Francisco. Gotcha. Well, I also put together, actually, the playoff index um, this year, which usually helps me at least in the straight-up picks, maybe not the spread per se. Mm -hmm. But usually you can impute it anyway. Uh, that's where, actually, the Weggs Index started, as you know. It was a playoff index to you know, kind of do pools every year and try to figure out who's going to win. And... In doing this kind of rating of just the top 12 teams, you kind of figure out who's really putting it together. And um, no shock that the Ravens are on top, and by a long shot, they're way up there. But I was kind of surprised to still see the Patriots way up there. I mean, obviously amongst these teams, they still have the you know really great defense. They're just behind the Ravens at two, and then 49ers and Saints and Chiefs are kind of in a cluster at three, four, five. Then Vikings titans bills and then the bottom four teams may surprise you uh seahawks packers eagles and texans wow. so it's interesting that some of the wild card teams like i mean the vikings were good before the cook injury titans and bills come in ahead of some of their opponents this weekend very interesting to see some of these home teams and the packers and the nfc with a mm -hmm. bye near the bottom of this index yep. it makes me remind myself now i'm going to set an alarm for sunday night <laughs> Whoever wins that game and ends up going to Green Bay the following weekend is going to see some pretty serious line movement right away on Sunday night. And I, for one, will be lining up to go against the Packers. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I think that that was one of the things that stuck out for me. And we had been talking about it too, fading the Packers. where They finished at 13-3. and They got the bye. They're the two seed. They almost lost to the, the Lions in Week 17. Yeah. That was crazy and they had to win that game um, they did look impressive against the vikings but they've looked terrible at times against lesser teams you know 
notably when they went to the, you know, the Chargers and stuff. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But I definitely um, agree with you that I like that, whoever that is, and hopefully it's the Saints that go up there. But we'll see. Yeah, that would be sweet. Um, well, let's go into the spots specifically this week for Wild Card Weekend. we got four games. Kind of weird the way they set it up this year. They've got the two AFC games on Saturday and the two NFC games on Sunday. Not sure who made that decision. But the familiar spot for Houston playing the first game of the slate, uh, they host Buffalo. Um, and it, they're two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. The total is 44. For me, action, I'm all over Buffalo. And I know that Houston can beat anybody in this league. I mean, they've beaten the Patriots. They've beaten the Chiefs. But I don't know. I kind of like the Bills in this situation. They have played decent in big spots. And that defense is no joke. So I'm on them. It looks like you're against me. I am, yeah. I like Houston. This number's come down a little bit to two and a half. Mm -hmm. I think it opened at three or even three and a half in some spots, if I recall. And uh, certainly there's been some money on Buffalo to get below that key number of three but i think that is a prime buy low opportunity on the texans and the biggest reason mm-hmm. is just the rookie quarterback in the playoffs that you yeah. know josh allen's not a rookie but he is in the playoff perspective sure. and i think that going into houston on the road against this defense is going to be an eye-opener for him i mean uh one thing that does give me a little bit of hesitation is just the coaching mismatch i think McDermott mm-hmm. has a serious edge over Bill O'Brien between these two. So um, mm-hmm. that does give me a little pause, but I think I'm going to find myself on uh, Houston Texans this weekend. Okay. I mean, I get it. I totally get it. It's obviously going on in a limb here. Um, you know, but to me, it's just, uh, we'll see. We don't know who the Texans are, right? And I think that what's interesting about the Texans for me, even though they have Watson, this team has kind of sucked in the playoffs for years, even, yeah. you know, they, they always lose. I mean, they beat the Raiders a couple of years back when, you know, they car was out, but they haven't won a lot of games uh, in this slot, even when they've been at home. Um, so Watson's a difference maker. No question. If Watts back, that's going to help, but we'll see. I mean, I don't, I haven't put any money on it yet, but I do like Buffalo there. Um, do you have any leads, the next, you have any leads on the total in that game? Yeah. You've got over, I, I don't, Man, I don't see that. So you're thinking that, uh, I mean, you think the Buffalo is going to score, basically. I do. Because yeah. I know you know, you know you think Houston's going to score, but you, you think the Buffalo will be able to score against Houston? Yeah, I think that um, the Bills are going to have some success passing the ball, believe it or not. I expect Josh Allen mm-hmm. to drop back and throw it a little bit more often than he normally would in a given situation. Mm-hmm. And the other big change behind this Buffalo offense is their pace. The last several weeks of the season, Buffalo has been playing a much quicker pace, and I think that lends okay. itself to a little bit higher scoring, at least more than their average scoring output. So I like this mm. one over quite a bit, actually. And you've seen it rise since open, opened at 42, and is now 44 mm-hmm. across the board. Yeah, I like it under. I, I guess I'm, I'm just thinking you know, the Bills' defense is pretty good. I mean, I, again, I'm not correlating the here, but... I like the underdog and I like the under here. So we'll see, you know, but I haven't struck on it yet. I uh, would love to see a higher number for the total if it keeps going up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're on opposite sides there. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. The, the next game is Tennessee. Uh, they're going to New England and that totals 44 and a half. And Tennessee's a five point underdog on the road. I've heard a lot of people talk on VEASAN how they're, 
you know, the Titans are really great. And, and I know, I mean, they've been playing really well. I really like, I like the Titans quite a bit, but I don't like them in this matchup. And I think, I think that New England can stop the run. They're not great against the run. I know that, but I would really like to see the strategy that is employed against uh, this team to basically make Tannehill beat you. And that's what my fear is that they're not, he's not going to be able to. And speaking of rookie quarterbacks in the playoffs, I don't think Tannehill's ever been in the playoffs, right? Um, I would basically lay the five points. I know it's uh, it's kind of a big number for the playoffs, but I'd lay the five points and go under in this one. Yeah, I think Miami was in the playoffs, but that may have been the season. Matt Moore, right? Yeah, Tannehill got hurt, I think. Uh, you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, you're spot on. I think that um, this number has kind of come down a little bit. In fact, I think it opened a little bit higher, and you've seen a little bit of money mm. trickle in on Tennessee so far. And this really kind of reminds me of a – eerily same spot that new england was in last season when san diego chargers chargers were coming (laughs) off that big win at baltimore and the whole world was buying in on them and new england just smashed Mm -hmm. them in the first half so right i do agree i think that uh there's a pretty obvious uh, coaching mismatch here you've got belichick and Mm -hmm. he's quite familiar with ryan Tannehill from playing him twice a year in the afc east Mm -hmm. so i think Mm -hmm. that uh that Patriots defense is going to have something ready for the Titans this weekend. Yeah. Agreed. Well, good. We're on the same side there. I, I don't know. I, I just heard like on the way to the house here, just to hear about these, you know, this guy, Oh, the t- Titans are red hot. I'm like, yeah, they're red hot, but I mean, I like them, but they, I don't know. They, they also got outscored in certain games. Like that defense isn't that great. And that's what new England needs. They need somebody who can let them score. And I think the Titans can do that. Yeah. Um, all right, the next game is on Sunday. We've got Minnesota going to New Orleans. Uh, right now, you've listed it at eight. I've seen eight. I've seen seven and a half, uh, you know, where New Orleans is favored. The total at 49 and a half. You know, it's funny. I heard what you said about the uh, you think it's going to be an up and down affair. I definitely like New Orleans to cover uh, the number, whether it's seven and a half or eight, I, even though that's over a key number. But I don't know. I, I kind of feel like it'll be a little more under. I know that New Orleans is going to score. I'm afraid Minnesota is not going to be able to score on this one. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this is really a cousin sweet spot, though. The 1 p.m. start, mm. you know, they're moving sure. to the Dome Stadium. There's going to be no weather mm-hmm. uh, factor in this sure. game. And I think the other angle on this one is really just the uh, – trending downwards defense of new orleans the last several weeks they've given up quite a bit of points and uh mm. they're now looking at 13th ranked against the pass which has been a little bit of a, a slip up on their mind and the other big factor i think is the return of dalvin cook that mm-hmm. vikings offense just operates at another level when he's in the backfield and they can get their play action passing going and um I'm not really sure where I'm going to land on the side. I do agree with you. I think New Orleans is probably the lean, but I really like this game mm-hmm. over. And uh, I think it's probably better. If you do like it over, probably better to get in now because I expect it will reach 50 or 51 by the weekend. Right. I see bet online. It's 49, but with the juice to the over one minus 115. So mm-hmm. if you can get 49, it'd be better, right? Yeah. Def- <laughs> 49 and a half. Definitely. Mm-hmm. The last game is Seattle, uh, who's playing at Philadelphia. Uh, the total I'm seeing at 45 and a half. The side, it depends. You've listed two and a half. I've seen, I see one and a half on bet online. It's kind of floating between that one and a half and two and a half mark. 
but definitely Seattle is favored in this one on the road. Um, kind of a weird spot because Seattle played them earlier in the year and, and won pretty easily, but this team's really banged up. And even though they almost, I mean, they still almost beat San Francisco last week at home, but it's a dicey spot for me. I do think Seattle's going to win the game, but if it's two and a half, I would definitely take points with Philly in this one. Yeah, and uh, could be worth uh, looking at a teaser leg too with Philadelphia. Mm. You can tease them up through the three and the seven. Sure. It's somewhat of a lower total, 45 and a half right now. Um, definitely has some value there. But this one is really, really difficult to handicap with all the injuries on mm-hmm. both sides of the ball. Um, right. It was kind of bizarre to see it open up with Philadelphia favored in some spots and some rogue mm. offshore books. And that number just moved really quickly. And um, now, obviously, you've got Seattle as the favorite. And this was kind of a very similar spot to earlier in the season when Seattle went into Philadelphia and won the game 17-6 to or something like that. So um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. certainly is going to be an interesting one. I lean to the under just because of these two teams' injuries and on the offensive side especially. And I'm not really sure that Marshawn Lynch is going to be the answer for the Seahawks either. <laughs> Skittles, huh? Yeah, when I look at the, you know, review the playoff index a little bit, these are the two teams that are closest in the index facing off. And so, you know, it makes sense. The line is close. Um, it's it's going to be really interesting. I, I do think that Wilson is the difference maker, right? And I don't know if it's a benefit or a curse, but they've played a lot of close games this year. Um, they really, their, their margin of victory, have you, I don't know if you looked. I should have had it pulled up. Um if you look at their point differentials, they've won 11 games this year. You know that, actually, uh, right? Yeah. But their point differential, they're plus seven on the season, point differential. That's insane. They've won 11 games and they're plus seven. I mean, how is that possible? That's crazy. <laughs> it's a contrast that, you know, San Francisco that won their division 13-3, they're plus 169, right? <laughs> I mean, the Eagles even have – they're plus 31, you know, wow. which, and they were nine and seven. So it's going to be a tight game likely. And it's probably just because Wilson has the magic and can just, you know, he's, he's like as efficient a, a passer in the NFL, maybe ever, you know, he just, he throws touchdown passes. He doesn't throw 50 times a game. Um, now he may have to throw more in this one. Like you said about Marshawn Lynch yeah. coming back as a runner and that defensive line is pretty good. That's one of the reasons why I like your under call in this game. I don't think it's going to be a free-flowing game. Um, it's really more, can Philly get some offense together against this kind of crappy Seattle defense, and and then it'll be a real game. So yeah, I mean, see what happens. Uh, if Philadelphia gets some of those pass catchers out on the field, you certainly think that Wentz will be able to take advantage of that porous Seahawks secondary. And yeah. on the other side, I'm not sure that Schottenheimer and the Seahawks offense is going to be able to disguise what they're doing Last week, every time Marshawn Lynch was on the field, it was clearly a running play. And every time Homer (laughs) was on the field, it was clearly a passing play. So the Niners were able to key in on that. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if they change that up this week against the Eagles. You would think that they would, but uh, who knows? You know, I mean, like I said, Pete Carroll is just kind of a rah-rah guy. And Schottenheimer is just, hey, we're going to run this ball. And, And then when we need it, we'll let, you know, Wilson pull some magic. So. I don't know. It should be. It's probably the appropriate game to be late. I think that that's probably the the closest played game, even though the Buffalo 
um, line is pretty close, that game definitely should be the best one. Yeah, so. that's great. Kudos to the NFL. Very interesting, though, the way they did AFC, NFC. I agree totally. Yeah, it was weird. Um, they don't do that next week, which is which is good. At least I don't think so. Um, that's it. That's the episode. Action. We did fit pretty good this time, I think. Yeah, nice and short and sweet and uh, plenty of winners, hopefully. So we should sign off and go watch those Hoosiers in the Gator Bowl. Absolutely. You got some money on that one? Yeah, I ended up on the over. Um, thought both offenses are going to have some success tonight. So hopefully – and uh, nice weather there in Jacksonville, mid-60s and – no wind. So hopefully a lot of points. Nice. Nice. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll check you back in with everybody uh, next week. Follow us at Side Action Pod on Twitter. Follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. And I'd be remorse to say, I, I didn't say this earlier, as you might have gathered, you saw that your cousin is now representing the Wegspool now uh, yes. uh, at the top of, of the avatar. So. Welcome, Mikey. You'll be there for 2020. <laughs> well, there'll be a new loser to replace him at the end of this college basketball season. <laughs> exactly. Soon enough. Soon enough. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. All right. Peace out, everybody. That's a wrap for this episode of the Side Action Podcast. We appreciate all of your listens, and thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week on Thursday for some more hot picks and side action. podcast its owners and associates take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the show hosts or their guests statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of this podcast and opinions between talk show hosts may conflict individuals following the advice given on the podcast accept their own risk of losses from wagers made as the side action podcast its owners hosts associates or guests will not guarantee any advice given the opinions and advice given on the side action podcast is for entertainment purposes only Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Intro and outro and transition music credits. Song titles, Jerry 5 and District 4 by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.org. License under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0. Creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by 3.0.